Appreciate those guys right there. There they go. Chaos Theory, my man, Adam Wagner, and of course, Rodney Rodriguez. They do a great job bringing it in. And as always, welcome to another edition of Hanging with Harge. I am your host, Harbaugh Harge. I'm representing the 254 and always the 512. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. As always, I want to make sure that you hit us up on the CODA text line 512-222-9328. There's so much to get into, and I know you folks have a lot that you want to talk about. How you doing, Miss Becky? Thank you for jumping in and saying hello. Texas escapes. I'm going to talk about Texas Longhorn. Obviously, I'm going to talk about Game 7, Game 6, Game 5. All of those games are going to be talked about as well. I'm going to talk about a little bit of the NFL action, but of course, I am going to start with the Houston Cougars scaring the hell out of Texas Longhorn fans. As always, we go into each game. Texas starts off fast. Not, not always starting off fast, but we go into these games and we have high expectations. As we know, every weekend there is a scare across the nation where a top-ranked team, whether they're favored by 10 points, 20 points, or even 30 points, end up getting a scare by their opponent. And as we talked about before, every team looks at Texas as their, their championship game. And I get it. I'm not mad at them. But what I'm mad about is the all gas, no brakes theory. And is it all the time? When does that take place? Is it more on the players? Is it more? What up, CB? What up, Ike? You're right. Two best words in sports, game seven. I'm going to get into that. Trust me. Trust me. I'm going to get into that. But I wanted to talk about this. The Longhorns theory and their motto has continued to be all gas, no brakes. They've been talking about it. Um, they, that, that is the mantra in which they live by. That's their creed, as we like to say. Now, the Longhorns get off to a fast start. They're up 21 to nothing. And now you're dealing with Quinn Yours. Looks like he's going to be out three to four weeks. We'll get into that with an AC joint spring. Texas won the game, but there are so many things that we can touch on. The secondary is an area of concern. Donovan Smith had his career passing game, 376 yards passing, three TDs, one interception. And that was a, a basically a, a punt to Michael Taff in that situation, but they could have had success. The Cougars have had more success on those crossing routes. I know that there's a lot of young guys in the secondary, but the point, you aren't young anymore. You've played a little, we're, we're more than halfway through the season now. And you've created opportunity for yourself in these moments to become that next level type of player. There's a reason why you've been recruited to these schools. There's a reason why you have become known as the university that everybody wants to go to now. Let's not forget that this university used to have the moniker of DBU. And I'm not disrespecting anybody that's participating right now or before that, because I know a lot of those DBs and those are some bad mofos, believe me when I tell you that. But at the University of Texas, there was a pride in defending the past. There was pride in it. And I'm, I'm confused about the play calling on the defense. And I may not even be talking properly to the defensive backs. I know that there's been communication issues. I know that 
there's different groups. You know, you're trying to piece stuff together because Texas was dealing with a bunch of injuries. They had to bring in Jade Barron. We had a text thread going. I had one with one group and another group. I had another one. And everybody's like, where is Jade? Why is Jade, the man who can put everybody in the right place and who seems to always be around the football, why is he not in the game? Well, when he comes in, he ends up making plays, and it kind of stops the momentum that U of H had had. But if you start thinking about the younger players in that secondary and what they're up against, a lot of these guys have grown up in seven-on-seven, which means you have to know uh, man-to-man. You have to be more physical. You play with all these other guys. And and now, because of maybe it's the trust factor, factor or lack of trust, on some of these guys that they're not letting them do what they do best. Um, I'm confused about that. We saw the success. How do you adjust to it? Crossing routes, combination routes, bunch routes, all the routes that everybody else would have trouble with, but you have better athletes. So I'm wondering where the miscommunication is. And that's cool. I hope you got a week to get that figured out. The D line did their thing. Holding the Cougars to 14 yards on the ground. That is what? Point, I don't know, point seven per carry? Point seven per carry? That's impressive. That's impressive. That D-line was doing their thing, and maybe that's why the passing numbers were so high for Donovan Smith. Obviously, that's it, but you made them one-dimensional. So why couldn't you take something else away from them? The secondary was getting exposed. Hook'em Headlines did a, a charted the safety position. And this is the only position that I wanted to talk about. The safety position. Jaron Thompson, he had six targets. They had six completions, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Michael Taft, who got an interception in the end zone. Everybody was like, yeah, Taft. But if you go back and you watch the game and you watch the last couple of games, Michael Taft has been on the receiving end of some big plays. He had four targets, three completions, 58 yards. He had a touchdown on him, but he did get that INT. Keaton Crawford, we know how fast you are, big fella, but we need you to play bigger in the backfield, in the defensive backfield. I know we want to come down and lay some hits, but I want to see you guys get some interceptions as well. Keaton Crawford, four targets, three completions, 49 yards, and he didn't have any tackles for loss. Derek Williams, the freshman, the phenom, the raptor is what he's known by. I like him. He's going to be a lot better. He's getting those reps. He, he was he was a guy that came to school late, and he's out there playing big-time minutes. Four targets, two receptions, 20 um, yards receiving against him, but he had one PBU. The corners are playing way too far off. I'll get into the offense in a minute. I know y'all want me to talk about the offense. I get it. But I'll get into that in a minute. But the defense is the part that has been scaring me. Texas has scored 30 points in every single game. They're still, what, 6-1 and one now. But in the second half, they hadn't played to their best. And the defense has been exposed in the last two minutes of each game. Last two minutes of each half, excuse me, in each game. The corners are, are, are playing way too far off. They, they are they are they they got man to man skills and we've talked about this and I'm sure you've heard my man Rob Babers we've talked about this numerous times as well 
when we were on the show together, we were talking about how physical these defensive backs can be. But I don't care how physical you can be if you're playing off and I catch the ball in space, that gives me an opportunity to break down, break you down and get around you. But if you can knock me off my route and do some different things with me, it can change some things. So I'm going to be looking for that moving forward. But I'm glad to see that Jade came into the game because he was effective that way. He did the things that he needed to do to help get this team to the right spot. I'm glad to see that Jalen Ford played well. Texas was talking about committing, I mean, forcing more turnovers. They got two in the game. They won that battle, which was impressive. So you sit there and you look at some of the things that Texas was able to do, and you say, wow, they weren't that bad, but they weren't that good. After you get out to that 21 to nothing start, you start regressing. You start going backwards. You're not being that adrenaline-filled game. You start being a little bit too cute. I'm I'm all about the all gas, no breaks. If you're really going to try to drive the ball down somebody's throat and make it happen. You know, you get off to the fast start, and it looked like the 23-point favorite team, the horns were going to be off to the races. Quinn Ewers came out looking sharp. At one point, he completed 14 consecutive passes during that game. Uh, he had two TDs in the first quarter, a 14-yarder to A.D. Mitchell. His own, By the way, that was A.D. Mitchell's only catch of the day. And, Xavier Wor- and hit Xavier Worthy on that 42-yard dime piece to, to jump out to a 14-0 lead in the first. The second quarter was more of the comeback for the Cougars. Um, my man, Savion Red Zone, that's what I call him, the Red Zone package, came through with a touchdown on a one-yard run, but Donovan Smith went to work. The crossing routes were killing the Longhorns. TDs of 32-21 to Matthew Golden and Joseph uh, Manjack, respectively. Then that we go into halftime, it's 21 to 14. And you're like, what the hell? I'm not even going to talk about that fake uh, field goal crap. I'm not even going to do that. We all, everybody on this station is going to continue to talk about it. Everybody across the nation is continuing to talk about it. I know Coach Sark said we saw something on film. We haven't ran a fake in three years. That was bad timing for that. That was bad timing for that. And Sark knows that. I'm not going to beat him up for that. The, 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 this has been one of those situations that you continue to look at. And you felt like Texas was going to get control back of that game. You, you just felt like it was going to be one of those things where he was going to get control back. But they never really did. They split the second half. It was 10-10. But both teams in Texas escaped with the help of a favorable spot. You know that. By the Big 12 officials. Woo! We got help from the Big 12 officials? Man. Orange did some really good things in this game. But they have to compete. They have to compete on every single down. They can't go into these little lulls where they're waiting to see what's going to happen. Or they feel like, oh, man, we got them up 14 nothing. They're about to quit. There's no quit there. We've already heard that. This is the one game that they needed to win. That's the one game that Dana Holgerson said, press conference. I only have one game that I've got to win. And this is it. That's the only game that everybody comes and talks to me about. And you sit there and you look at this team and you'll say, man, 
Another part of the game that was really intriguing to me was the distribution of the passes. I mean, I've been screaming for years. Why are we not using Jay Whitmore? When you see that the game is going in another direction, get the ball to Jay Whit. Somehow, some way, he fires everybody up. He's a mean dude on the field. I heard he's a great guy off the field. Great guy. But on the field, that dude is nasty, and that's what you want. I'm just confused about how every single game my man can end up disappearing. I, I know that Quinn is sharp, sharp with the ball. But how are we not drawing up any plays for Jay Witt? You look at what happened at Oklahoma and how he really got everything going. That will be his landmark game. That will be the game that he bookmarks for his career. Every game against Oklahoma, my man is lights out. But how is it all of a sudden that we don't find a way to get him the ball? I don't want to hear nothing about brackets. I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, well, they took these guys here. Find a way to get that man a ball. You are a offensive-minded person. I was about to say genius. I was about to say genius, but I don't want to don't want to go there. Because people are questioning a lot of things that have been going on. But I'm just curious to how this continues to take place. And I know there, there other kids are on scholarship on other teams and they play their best game. They probably had their best week of focus in everything. Maybe they recognize their keys and they're locking it up. But there is no way that we should not be able to scheme open a guy like Jordan Whittington. There's, there's, there's no way. And I know we're trying to get the ball to X-Men and we're trying to do different things, but I'm sitting here and I'm talking about it. We ran screens and short passes. Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter each had 11, I mean, total had 11 targets and 11 receptions. X-Men had seven targets, six receptions, 92 yards, and a touchdown. I just told you that A.D. Mitchell, all he does is catch touchdowns because we didn't throw him the ball nowhere else. Those are the things that I continue to look at, and I'm like, how? How is this possible? You have all this weaponry, but you can't, we can't figure out a way to get these guys the ball and put them in places where they can have success. And again, I understand. Sark has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. Advice and, and 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 I get that, but that's why we go to that. That's why we go to you to find those answers on what was going on during this game to where this team that jumped out to this lead, all of a sudden, we can't generate any other offense. Before I continue this conversation. I want to tell you about the great folks over at Covert Bee Cave. That's right. Covert Bee Cave is nestled on 42 acres in the beautiful Texas Hill Country. Covert Bee Cave has three new state-of-the-art dealerships carrying seven brands. Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, uh, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. In addition to those seven brands, Covert also has Ford and Hutto and a Ford Lincoln in Austin. As the saying goes, no one beats a Covert deal, not now, not ever. 
Cobra Bee Cave has something for everyone. Cobra Bee Cave services all makes and models. And with their 86 service bays, the wait time will be minimal for you. So please visit CobraBeeCave.com for the latest specials and inventory or stop by today and see them today. Make sure you reach out to my man, Marcus Washington, senior and junior, and Ira Clark. They are uh, from the 254, one with the Texas Tech, the other one with the Texas. I'll let y'all figure it out. But no one beats a covert deal, not now, not ever. I also want to tell you, man, game seven is tonight. You got NFL action, Vikings, 49ers. There's so much that is going on. Hockey, NBA starts this week. You probably don't have enough TVs to get all the games that you want to watch at one time. Well, do yourself a favor and reach out to avconsultations.com. That's right, audiovisual consultations. And my man, Tom McKay and his crew, who's been around since 1988. So they understand what you need to have in your home, to have that perfect home theater, man cave or she cave, as they say on a commercial, she shed. Or you can have that audio hookup outside, or you need some lighting or surveillance cameras. Don't worry about it. Tom and his crew will make it all easy for you. Give them a call, 512-255-8678, or visit them online at avconsultations.com. You don't want to miss all the action that is out there. And, of course, you might want to watch a movie. Equalizer 3 is out as well. I want to watch Denzel and get that high sound. Let my man Tom McKay get all that stuff for you. That's avconsultations.com or 512-255-8678. Um, I do want to think about this. So we were talking about this Texas football team and what the the, the curiosity is. This game was the first time that my man uh, Jonathan Brooks didn't get over 100 yards. And that, that kind of hurt me because he was one yard away. That's almost like Ricky Williams and Bucky not getting them that 10 yards. Sorry, Buck. I got to take that shot at you, man. I got I to gotta take that shot at you. Um, the running game was on point as always. They ran for 141 yards. As I said, uh, Brooks had his 100-yard consecutive streak snapped when he had 99 yards, but he did have 150 yards all-purpose. C.J. Baxter looked explosive and healthy going for 42 yards and, and six carries and sealed the win on that 16-yard touchdown run. Uh, the Horns ran for 141 yards, but it was only at a 3.8-yard per clip, per, per rush clip. And you know what that means. Tom Tom Herman made an appearance in my mind, 3.8 yards. You know what the definition of insanity is? Yeah, I made a shirt about that that year that he did that. Quinn Ewers, and I'll get into him a little bit more. Quinn Ewers, who went 23 of 29 for 211 with two touchdowns, but tried to scramble from time to time and, you know, and he was sacked three times. And on one of those sacks, uh, the last seemed to be the one that hurt his shoulder. But he stayed in the game and tried to play through it. And then he tried to run over the linebacker, number 12, for for uh, U of H. And he paid for it. And he paid for it. Reports came out yesterday from my man Anwar Richardson. Uh, he reported that yours will be out a few games with a grade two AC uh, joint sprain in his throwing shoulder. And he could miss up to a couple weeks on this deal. So now it's the Malik and Arch Manning show. And this is what everybody's been asking for. And I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it again. When you look at this team, Quinn yours has been playing some really good football. If you take away the, the, the beginning of the game against Oklahoma, there's no reason why 
why you should be sitting there begging for another quarterback to be in there. I just really didn't understand that. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. And everybody's always like, man, this Malik show, this Malik show. And I'm like, man, listen, man. This dude has been playing good football. Yes, I agree. He does. He did need to see some action. I was fortunate enough to uh, interview Garrett Gilbert a few months, a month ago, actually, a month ago. And I was talking about his time. I was talking about his time at the University of Texas. And the one thing that bothered me about his time at the University of Texas is number one, he was backing up Colt McCoy. And Colt was in the Heisman Trophy conversation. So Mac was keeping him in games that he probably could have gotten some of the younger players some reps. I don't know if he was trying to have, I don't know, not not him chasing the Heisman, but just making sure that he was trying to preserve maybe a red shirt on some of these kids. But I always thought it was detrimental that we never got those guys into significant minutes in the game. Now, Mac is a Hall of Famer. I'm not questioning it. And again, he's another guy that's probably forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But I'm always in the notion of if you've got a lead, you need to put your guys out there, your backups, in those situations because you're going to need them later. You're going to, and especially at the University of Texas. And I've been big on when you do bring those guys in, don't have them hand off the damn football. If the coach on the other team doesn't realize that these are my backups and I have to get those guys reps, game reps, then that's their problem. Jimmy Johnson has always talked about Coach your team the way you want to coach it. I'm going to coach mine the way I want to coach it. And I'm going to get the most out of my guys. And as a backup player, the first thing I want to do when I get in the game is I want to show everybody that I got the moxie too. I'm here with it. But if I'm a quarterback and every time I get in the game, I'm handing the ball off, I don't get to show you something. And then when I have to go in there and do it, you're putting me in a no-win situation. And that has bothered me every single time in these games. It is frustrating. My man CB just gave us the numbers, and I've been, you know, he's the greatest volunteer producer ever. He posted today that, and it's posted right now, and I'll break it down for you right here. I'll post it up there so y'all can see it. This is the trend, and it continues. So the only years between the 1998 to 2023 season with the obsession of the 2015, we know what happened there, 2008, 2010, and 2019, have they had multiple quarterbacks that started games. Think about that. Think about that. At this university, that is what has gone to it. It is under Whelming to see this stuff. And that is why it's always been a problem for me to not get guys in the game. Now, I understand as a starter, because I've been on that side of it too, as a starting quarterback, I get it. You don't want to come out of the game. As a starter, period, you don't want to come out of the game. I understand the feeling of that. 
But in the grand scheme of things, if you got a quarterback, and I'm, I'm, I'll be the first to tell you, I've been on him running the entire time. I've been loving the fact that he's been running because I believe a quarterback has to be mobile in the pocket, be able to get into space, and be able to, to extend drives. But I'm also the guy that's been saying, get your ass down, Quinn. First off, you didn't told everybody you lost weight. So you ain't bringing that punch that you thought you had from last year. And then you're going to try to run over a damn linebacker. And I understand the injury came before that. Not only did you try to run over a linebacker, you tried to run over him with your right shoulder. Bruh. That is not what you do. You ain't. You, you Look, that dude gets paid to tackle people. You get paid to throw the ball. So I think you was in the wrong trying to run that man over. So that's on you, playboy. That's on you. But I will tell you, the fight and the grit and what this team has been able to do. Because, again, I'm going to back this thing up. Texas did win the ball game, 31-24. There's some things that need to be corrected. There's some things that need to be touched on. And I know that Sark is going to work on that. And he's going to be able to get these guys back ready to go. And I'm just trying to make sure that in our mind, we're trying to figure these things out. So I want to, the question was asked about the concern, and then I'll give you the post-game opening statement. But I wanted to understand the concern when it comes to Quinn, yours, and what's next. Um, you know, if the guy couldn't finish the game, that na- naturally is what is that going to look like moving forward? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that the one thing about this team um, and the way we practice, um, the, the team's got a lot of confidence in Malik and really Arch, it, it, you know, because I know how well those guys competed. Um, and so in the end, I'm hopeful Quinn can continue to go and we'll find out what the extent of that is. But I also know we've got two quality players at that position that that they've got a great supporting cast around them with a good old line, good runners, good receivers. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll devise a plan, whoever that quarterback is, hopefully to, to have success in the next ball game. See, another thing about that is I understand. I saw I saw the everybody trying to figure out if if Quinn, excuse me, if uh, the quarterback is going to be Arch and is it going to be Malik? Have y'all not been paying attention? Every time an opportunity comes up, Malik has been the one to get into the game. There is no Arch Manning site. Okay? So make sure that you understand that, number one. Number two, now he is the number two quarterback because Sark is having his presser in about five minutes. Um, he moved it back to 1130. And now you'll you'll hear from him what the situation is about Sark. I mean about Quinn. But this is Malik's game. This is Malik's show right now. And the question has always been, do you have faith in Malik? And like I said, people have been asking for him. People have been begging for him. People have been looking at him. So I thought he looked poised. I thought he came in throwing absolute Doc Gooden fastballs right off the rip. I was like, yeah, yeah, he's going to have to hose that down a little bit. But he's going to be just fine. I have no problem with him. But here's what they thought about Malik. You know, I I thought Malik showed great poise and composure. Um, You know, again, you know, Houston did a nice job, and they they played an absolutely different defense than they had shown all year long. And so we had to make a lot of adjustments throughout the game and all the way into that last drive. Um, 
you know, I, I think he would love to have hit that third down to, to AD uh, to extend that, but he threw it with great conviction, and that was a real positive with Malik. You know, he's got a lot of belief in himself, and he understands our system. And so um, if it's if it's him this week, I know he'll prepare really well, and, and he'll get the majority of those reps that way, and I think he'll play good football. And I think Arch will be ready. You know, both those guys, I said that a week ago, they have really put in a lot of work to, to play good football for us. And um, I think ultimately if this situation arises that this is where it goes, you know, we, we'll have the utmost confidence in them to, to play good football. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I have no doubt about that. And I believe that uh, Sark is going to dial up some schemes. He's had success with the two-back offense before. And I think with the way that both of these guys have ran the ball, uh, C.J. Baxter and uh, my man Jonathan Brooks have ran the ball so well, and it looks like C.J. Baxter is back to healthy and looks like he has that explosiveness. I think it'll be okay. I think it'll be okay. But when you start to look at this team and what's next, um, these wide receivers, you better get ready because that ball is going to be on you. It ain't going to be no I've, – I've been saying this the entire time. I've been saying this the entire time. I've yet to see Quinn Ewers throw a ball like that, like that, like the ball that Malik is throwing. Now, people are going to say Malik needs to dial it down a little bit. No doubt about it. But as a young quarterback who hadn't had a chance to play in the game, that finally gets into the game, what do you think is going to happen? And then you only give him a couple passes during that time. So understand what I'm saying to you when now he's going to get every bit of the reps at practice. He's not going to get the reps sparingly. He is going to get starter reps. And A.J. Milwee is going to have to put his work in with them. Coach Sark is going to put the game plan in with them. And they're going to find some things that Malik is going to be good at. They're going to find some things that he's not. And then they're going to get their game plan. The good thing about playing BYU this week is BYU is dealing with a bunch of injuries on their squad as well. Although they went to, uh, they, they beat Texas Tech. But listen, this team is going to be different. They come in at a, as a favorite again. An 18 and a half to 20 point, 20 and a half point favorite. So they understand that this team, talent wise, is one of the better teams in the country. There's no way for you to be favored by 20. If I, but I did say you better take 20. If you got it at 20, you should have taken BYU at 20. But there's, there, there, there is some things that you could want and need in this series. And I can't wait to hear what Sark had to say in the presser today about how he's going to go about it. He's not going to give us the game plan. Don't get it twisted. But the final diagnosis on Quinn, the the expectations for uh, Malik Murphy, and of course, he's going to put in Arch Manning. But we know that now this is Malik's time. There's a reason why Malik, who has been recruited by everybody in the country, who was even trying to get uh, teams were trying to get him to leave right after that spring game because they saw something. Uh, just like everybody else, and that's why the excitement was what it was. But let's not get it twisted, man. He's here for a reason. He stayed here for a reason. And now the biggest question is, is he going to take advantage of that opportunity? Let's hear what Sark had to say immediately following the game. Obviously, I went through the things that I that stood out to me a little while ago, but I also wanted to hear what Sark had to say about his comments post-game. We had a great week of practice. I thought we had a great week of preparation. And I thought we came out and played that way at the start of the football game to, to jump ahead 21 to nothing. 
the lesson learned here is we got to have a killer instinct, and you know, people aren't gonna aren't gonna lay down against us, and they're gonna continue to fight. And um, we we relaxed. We 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 didn't execute the way we had. We didn't execute and poor call on the fake field goal. Uh, they 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 got some momentum from that, uh, and in turn we end up in a dogfight, twenty-one all. Um, we had some guys get 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 nicked up, and some other guys had to step in and play. Uh, and the game came down to two possessions, and we found a way to punch it in on ours, and we found a way to get a fourth down stop on defense. So there's some definite some positives that come out of this game. Uh, happy to, to have won the ball game. Not going to apologize for that. Uh, but right. lesson learned of, of what we need to do moving forward and, and how we can play better football uh, for four quarters. So that, that's going to be needed as we continue to go on this journey together. No doubt. And again, I posted this immediately after the game. A lot of people hit me up about their concerns and their thoughts and everything that was there, but there's no need to apologize for a win. I don't care how you got it. Um, you live to fight another week. You're Now you're bowl eligible. I know that is hollow to a lot of people because of the goals on, and expectations at this university is not just to be bowl eligible. You want to be playing for something at the end of the year. I, I, I understand that, and I get that. But today, we sit here as a 6-1 and one football team that is coming back home this weekend to host the BYU Cougars. Cougars, they don't have Taysom Hill, but they do have Cleden's, uh, Keldon Slovis, who is a damn good quarterback. And if I'm their coach and their staff, I'm looking at this secondary, and I'm thinking we may not run against them, but we may be able to throw the damn ball against them, and that might keep us in the ball game. They can sling it all over the place. And that Sark was asked that during the game, what are you going to do about fixing your secondary? Because I gave you guys the numbers on the secondary. There was uh, 14 completions. Excuse me. Yeah, 14 completions on the secondary. In the last game, 376 total yards passing on these. And that was just the safeties. And so Sark was asked, hey, guys, what are you going to do about fixing the secondary? We got to figure out which guys we're going to have back there, you know, and then and then two, you know, part of it is the secondary. Part of it is, you know, getting the rush um, to where we can affect that quarterback more and force a few more air and throws um, because the running game was pretty much null and void. You know, we did a great job defending the run. Um, but but we've got to we got to find a way to to eliminate passing lanes um, and to play tighter coverage and then force some errant throws. You know if people are going to throw it that much, we we got to create some interceptions. We got to create some sacks, some sack fumbles. Yeah, and guess what they did? He talked about it. He talked about the fact earlier in the week he was on it. I was like, man, let's see if this can happen. Let's see if he can do it. He was talking about takeaways and how are we going to get takeaways? We need to get takeaways. And guess what? They got two takeaways. Like to you know, two turnovers today defensively were, were huge for us. You know, um, you know, one obviously you get a pick in the end zone that that negates points and you get possession. Um, and then finally we, we forced a fumble, which was great to see, and we've been harping on it so much. Um, so that that was a you know really positive play, and we were close on that big punt, big time punt by Sanborn. Great coverage there by um, by Keaton Crawford. And, uh, you know, had a chance to, to get that one there. So the ball was loose today. We were around it more um, than, than we've been in the, in the previous couple weeks, and that's what it's going to take. We've got to keep finding a way to create these turnovers. 
yep, got to keep doing it. And if you continue to do that, that keeps them from scoring points and it gives you an opportunity to score points. So that was good. And again, Horns win 31-24, ugly game, came out hot throughout the process. In the middle, it kind of got murk, you know, muddy and playing in the mud, and then things kind of changed. Second half, it was an even, it was a draw. So it was good to jump out to that because one spot here, one spot there, things to change, and we're having a totally different conversation. Never apologize for a win. Let me tell you somebody else that will never apologize for a win, and that's because they're always winning at Great Blue Heron Furniture, a custom leather furniture company that was started in 1991. They focus on heavy leathers, hides, and fabrics, ranging from traditional Western to modern farmhouses. And let me just tell you folks, this stuff is gorgeous. It is honestly the highest quality furniture you can find. You cannot and you will not find a more stylish, more comfortable, and more well-built furniture out there anywhere. There's a link on the, in a video description on the YouTube page below that takes you straight to our Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. And if you use the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off of your purchase. If you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades, and as BK says, for decades and decades and decades, look no further than the great Blue Heron Furniture. You can click on the link for more info or give them a call at 866-247-9680. That's 866-247-9688. Yeah, that's it. That's it right there. Great Blue Heron Furniture. As we get ready to transition, obviously, we're going to continue to talk the conversation about uh, football uh, as Sark continues to have his presser today, and we'll have more of that tomorrow right here on Texas Sports on Filter. I want to transition. Major League Baseball. That's right, folks. Major League Baseball. Game seven is the two words in the sports in, in sports that I believe every sports fan can appreciate. Not only can you appreciate it, it brings casual fans and passionate fans together at, at once. That's what I'm talking about. This is where a team with a calm heart rate looks better than those that can't keep it composed. This one is for a trip to the World Series and representation for the Lone Star State. In all best of seven series, postseason series, folks. What's up, GB? There's a major leaguer for you folks jumping on there as well. Hey, in all best of seven series, teams that have won game six to force a game seven have come out on top in a winner-take-all thir uh, contest 33 out of 59 times. That's at 56%. You feel me on that? 56%. As for game seven, the teams playing in their home ballparks are only 62 and 63 all-time in winner-take-all postseason matches, including 30 and 27 in the best-of-seven series, okay? You have two Hall of Fame managers that have World Series rings. Bruce Bochy has three. Dusty Baker has one. Bruce Bochy is 5-0 and in winner-take-all matches. Dusty Baker hasn't won one of those. You have two pitchers going to Mad Max Scherzer for Texas and cool Christian Javier, who has been scoreless for over 20 and a half innings. I got some stats for you, too. I got some more for you that you were like, wait, what? 
Um, the Astros have battled the the Astros and Rangers have battled for the American League West Town uh, crown for 162 games. Both teams finished with 90 wins. Houston won it. It had the flag on the final day because of their head-to-head meetings. After six games in the ALCS, the Lone Star rivals are deadlocked once again with one game remaining for this berth. The Astros are only slashing 177 at home right now. They're slashing 177, 259, and 281 with three homers in three games um, because of ALCS stuff, including, listen, including going two for 17 with runners in scoring position. They are one of eight for one for eight with runners in scoring position in game six, and they stranded nine people. I know my man Ike is over there sick right now because he saw it. The, when when you come up to the plate and you look at what Jordan Alvarez and what Jose Altuve has been able to do, it has been exciting to watch. Every time Jordan comes up to the plate, you get nervous if you're a Rangers fan and you get excited if you're uh, uh, an Astros fan. It's huge situation right there. Then you get all the other opportunities that are there. You look at what Adolis Garcia, who is surging, even though he struck out four times yesterday. I've been there. I've been there. And Gary can tell you that. I've been there where I struck out four times, hit a home run, and all is well in Mudville. But you know what? This is what it comes down to. The ALCS has been a journey. We've had shutouts. We've had blown out, blowouts. We've had bench clearing brawls. Not even brawls, just a little tussle. They didn't throw no hands. We got a suspension. I hope he doesn't get a chance to be suspended. I hope he gets a chance to get in there and play. As my man Ike says, time to break out the trash cans. And for the Astros, I mean, for the Rangers, what are you going to do? I've been saying it from the very beginning. This is what it's all about. In order to become the man, you have to beat the man. And, you know, I bring up Wakanda forever. I bring it up. Black Panther. Killmonger comes back, finds out the story. He goes and tries to defeat the Black Panther. He finally beats him, throws him off the cliff, beats the crap out of him. And then he says, is this your king? Is this your king? That's how the Rangers are looking at the Astros. But what happened in Black Panther? He comes back. He gets his crown. And he continues to run the city, the country. So this is what we this is why we play these games, man. This is what as a baseball player, as an athlete, as a competitor, you sit here and you wait for these moments. These are the moments that you have as a as as a competitor, you want it to be just like the Super Bowl. This is it. One game, baby. One game. And who is going to have it? You look at Christian Javier, his effectiveness with his fastball, that wipeout slider. Is he going to be able to make that happen? You, you, you look at that and you say, can he get that, 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 that locked-in mentality? And then you look at Mad Max, Scherzer, man with the two different color eyes. He's sitting in there. He got. He didn't pitch that bad, but he didn't pitch great. He's got an 11 ERA in the postseason. And remember, 
He was coming off of an injury, hadn't pitched in 36 days, goes out there, wasn't sharp. And I told you guys that. Not Don't worry about his fastball. You got to worry about his breaking ball because if he can throw his breaking ball for strikes, that's going to be it. He wasn't sharp with that. And the Astros, they hunt those fastballs. So tonight, tonight is the night where everybody else watches and sees who is going to represent Texas in the World Series. I cannot wait to watch this game tonight. I'm just pissed off it's not a day game. They put it in prime time with the NFL. That's right. My man Gary, perfect example right here. Former major league catcher, played a long time, got a World Series ring. Scherzer's got to miss some barrels for the Rangers to have a chance to win tonight. You're right, 100%, brother, 100%. That's why it's funny to me that – Tonight is Johnny Allstat. If you got, if you can throw the baseball, you pitching tonight. You pitching. They ain't gonna be waiting around. Bruce Bochy, I gave you the numbers. They have continued to pitch well, and Bruce Bochy five and zero. Is this the night that something else happens? Is this the night that everybody looks at it and say, Dusty, last year was his first year. He had to win the World Series. Is this the time that Dusty beats? Bruce Bochy and sends his Houston Astros to the World Series. So here it is. Bruce Bochy never lost a game seven. 2012, it was San Francisco versus St. Louis. In 2014, it was San Francisco defeating the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Royals. Dusty Baker never won a game seven. He lost 2002 World Series. He lost the 2003 NLCS and he lost the 2020 ALCS to the Tampa Bay Rays. So this is what it's all about. All the marbles coming down to tonight. Uh, I'm going to transition real quick because we're going to get into it a little bit more because there's still a lot to uncover in this matchup. But we also have to thank our friends over at Four Roofs. Go to Four Roofs, the number four Roofs TX for all your roofing needs. Whether it's residential or commercial, Give Four Roofs an opportunity to help you. Go to fourroofs.com. This is a locally, locally owned company that understands the needs of you, the customer that is needing help with their roofs. They've got over 15 years of experience, affordable pricing, and quick response time. They are thorough and very trustworthy. I've used them for my homes and my neighbors have as well. I know these folks personally, so I can tell you that they will make sure that you get everything that you were promised. They even have an on-site project manager at every job to make sure everything goes smoothly. Reach out today at 512-520-5884 or go to the number 4roofstx.com. That's 512-520-5884 or the number 4roofstx.com. Another locally owned company that's been around since 2006 is my friends over at Pest Wranglers. Go to pestwranglers.com for all of your pest control needs. The company was started by the owner who was tired of companies that didn't know how to treat their customers or their employees right. You know, if I'm working with them, they got to have that going on, and you should too. Pest Wrangler services most of the Central Texas area, and if you're needing help with mosquitoes, termites, rodents, or inspections, 
for your residential or commercial properties, please give Pest Wranglers a call at 512-670-7808 or go to the website at pestwranglers.com. Pest Wranglers believe in happy customers. And if you're a happy customer, you won't be going anywhere else. That's why they don't make you sign any contracts. They got five-star ratings on Google's Yelp, Angie's List, and all referral sites. Go to pestwranglers.com for all your needs. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this, too. Today can be a great day for baseball people. And all my baseball people, I know you're on here, and those people, Pest Wranglers and uh, Four Roofs, are huge baseball folks. Today could be a great day for Major League Baseball. We could have the World Series participants by the end of the night. The Phillies can punch their ticket uh, to the World Series if they can hold off the pesky uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. On Saturday, the Phillies went to bashing home runs again in their 6-5 to victory. They also had another great pitching outing by my man Zach Wheeler, who I've been telling y'all about for the longest time. And if you didn't want to listen to me, you better listen to me now. Zach Wheeler's numbers throughout the playoffs. This just this playoff um, um, postseason in the wild card, he went six and two thirds innings, eight strikeouts, one earned run. In the NLDS game two, he went six and a third innings with 10 Ks and two earned runs. In the NLCS game one, he went six innings, eight strikeouts, and two earned runs. And then just his last start on Saturday, he went seven innings, eight strikeouts, and one earned run and not only did he do that and have a great job with all of that stuff let me tell you about those bats that they have going on Bryce Harper has 11 home postseason home runs in the franchise 11 he's only played 28 games you know who the leader is Jason Worth he's hit four he played 40 games and Bryce Harper is already catching him you look at what Kyle Schwarber has been able to do He's continuing to bang the baseball as well. He has five home runs during this time in the postseason. And for the Phillies, think about this. There's only been three teams that's had three players to hit five homers in a postseason. The 27 Astros, I mean, 2017 Astros, and that was Altuve, Correa, and Springer. The 2022 Phillies, Schwarber, Harper, and Hoskins, and now the 2023 Phillies with Schwarber, Harper, and Castellanos. Do you see what I'm saying right here? These dudes bash. But they invited Real Muto to the uh, party just the other night. He had a two-run shot in the eighth inning. They have 21 home runs in the postseason, and that is the first two-run home run that was hit in the playoffs. That's amazing to me. Arizona travels to the Phillies where those crazy-ass Philly fans who are riding high because the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Miami Dolphins last night. So you already know that they turned up and ready to go. The first pitch will be at 4.07. Arizona sends Merrill Kelly to the mound. He's 1-1 one one with a 3 ERA. By the way, he was the one that was talking and scream, and the fans were screaming at him at a very high rate when he was warming up in the bullpen because he was talking about there's no big deal. He's a Texas boy. That's why he says it ain't no big deal. He's from H-Town. And Philly will send the stud Aaron Nola, who is uh, 3-0 and in the postseason with a .96 ERA. Think about that. You got Zach Wheeler and you got Aaron Nola as your first two guys to absolutely get a chance to go out there 
and deal. So as the Phillies fans, I think that you are really ready to turn it up. And I'm, I'm really concerned about the personnel in, in the city of Philadelphia. No, I ain't talking about the players on either team. I'm talking about the personnel for those people that are going to be trying to tear down some stuff in that city because they will know that their team might be going to the uh, World Series. My man CB brings up a good fact, and I didn't want to bring it up, but since he brought it up, I will. Talking about what it looks like for the Astros and the deja vu of the 2019 World Series where the road team won every game and the Washington Nationals ended up winning the World Series. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that uh, Rendon was the third baseman, but I think Bryce Harper had just left the team at that. But I wanted to bring this up, too, since CB brought up what's going on. Since the start of, and this goes out to my boy Roflo, he posted this. Since the start of September, the Astros are 15-5 and five at home. 15 and 5. I mean, excuse me, 5 and 15. I'm sorry about that. 5 and 15 at home. I had to say it like that because it didn't sound right. But yes. But so for them to go out there and win, and it only takes one game for you to win to get to that point, that is something that um, you continue to look at and you say, who is going to be the guy? Who is going to show up in this moment to be the big man on campus. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But there, this is where legends are born. This is where your legacy is formed. And as I've said, the Houston Astros have the pedigree. The Houston Astros have won World Series. The Houston Astros have uh, great leadership in Dusty Baker. You saw how he fought for his team after the ejection. That's the other part. We don't know what Abreu's uh, ruling is going to be. I hope he gets the pitch tonight. I think everybody should be able to participate in this game, and I believe it should be all hands on deck. And I believe that it should come down to Jose Abreu, not Jose Abreu, uh, 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 Brian Abreu versus Adolis Garcia for the end of the season. I think it should all come down to that. That's the pageantry that we want. I don't want it to be Jose Altuve. If you're a Rangers fan, you don't either. You don't either. But I want to bring up one point before I transition and, and, and turn it over to Trey and BK in the midday. Last night, I tweeted out, and most of you that follow me, you saw me tweet this out. It was a situation, again, back-to-back games, where Marcus Simeon came up in a situation where he should have bunted. The situation the other night, he hits a line drive, shortstop catches it, um, didn't double anybody off, but he could have bunted it. Next batter, Seager, flies out to center field. That could have been a sacrifice fly. We're talking about some different things. Last night, he comes up in that same situation. Mind you, Marcus Simeon has been the glue of this team. Him and Corey Seager up the middle, they have been outstanding for the regular season. For the postseason, Marcus Simeon has not done squat Matter of fact, let me find out what he's hitting. He's hitting 191. And he became 191 because he got a base hit in his last at-bat last night. And he didn't hit the ball hard. Matter of fact, it was off the end of the bat. He's been popping up. He hasn't been driving the baseball. And he hadn't hit a ball hard. 
On the contrast, Corey Seager has been hitting the ball on the screws. He's just not getting hit, but he's hitting it hard. They're some free swingers. Maybe they're getting tired. Maybe they need to take a lighter, a little bit uh, smaller bat, not length, weight. Get an ounce short uh, off of it. If maybe they can get to it because it's late in the season. A lot of swings, a lot of hacks been going on. But I see here today, and even though Adolis Garcia came up and he hit a, a grand slam, and maybe that was the reason why he didn't do it. Maybe that's why he did not do it. It's because of the fact that he knew that Adolis Garcia had struck out four times. He was going for the fifth one. And that would have been embarrassing, too. I struck out five times in the game. I had two hits, though. I had two hits, but it was extra in the game. Your boys stayed in the game, and I was begging to get taken out. I struck out five times in the double-A game. My goodness, I was with the Yankees then, too. Yikes. Um, but here's where it is. Do you believe that he should have bunted? A lot of people said yes, obviously, with the base hit by Marcus and then the grand slam. Boom, it ended up happening. So shout out to them. But no matter what, we're headed to a game seven. Winner take all, bragging rights for the year, representation in the World Series, and I can't wait. You folks should be excited about it. Tonight we got NFL football as well. I know a lot of people ain't going to be paying attention to it because it's not any of the teams that you like. The San Francisco 49ers will be traveling to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins, not that uh, primetime Kirk Cousins that everybody is looking for. The, the Niners are favored by seven on the road. Think about that. They're favored. Uh, we'll see what happens. We don't know what the injury update is on Christian McCaffrey. I hope he's okay. Uh, Debo Samuel, hope he's okay. But what will Kirk Cousins do? I don't know because I may not be watching that game because I'll be tuning in to the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros at Minute Maid, the juice box, winner take all baseball game. Thank you again for tuning in. We got news that we'll be we will be covering all day. I know Chip and Zay will be covering uh, the press conference because Chipper is at the press conference, so it should be fun. I got a thing just a second ago, D Senior that said the Malik era begins. Hook them horns. That's right. Get ready for it. But hey, in Malik we trust. Everybody's been asking for it. Now you got it. Y'all better buckle up your seatbelts because we don't know. One thing I do know, don't believe everything you see because even salt looks like sugar. Peace.